0: Uh, two very special panelists. Uh, Brent G. Filbert is the Pentagon retired 30 years U.S. Navy veteran, professor, and clinical director of Mizzou Veteran Clinic of the University of Missouri School of Law. We also have Coco Culpane. She is the founder and executive director of the Veteran Advocacy Project. Coco is an adjunct professor AF Clinical Law at Brooklyn Law School, where she teaches the Veterans Right Clinic. And I love that part of Brooklyn. That's where I grew up as a child and and left there for college. But uh, Brooklyn is dear to my heart. Our discussion today is Veterans Discharge Upgrades. Okay, Brent, why don't you take it off and lead us into your guest?
1: Arnold, thanks for um, having us on again. I really appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And uh, we really do have... um, a heavy hitter in the world of veterans advocacy, and having uh, Coco Culhane on uh, to talk about discharge upgrades. Um, uh, Doctor, you went through some of her accomplishments, but but really, um, if you were going to sum up, I think what she's about it is about a long term commitment to helping veterans who've been discharged with uh, less than honorable discharges, um, and. Typically, have some kind of mental health or uh, traumatic brain injury, or some other thing that's going on in, the, in in many of the cases that she handles. So, so welcome Coco to the show.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um,
1: so, I, I think um, I think a great thing to, to to start out with is whenever we have a guest on the show is really to talk about. Um, you're the founder and executive director of the the Veteran Advocacy Project just talk about um, the creation of that organization and what you do and and what really what the focus is uh, for the Veteran Advocacy Project.
2: Sure, thank you. Um, so the creation would be uh, back when I was in law school and was doing some research and came across a case um, called Veterans for Common Sense versus PEAK at the time. And basically, you know, I found out at that time that the suicide rate was 18 veterans per day and almost fell off my chair and just thought, you know, suddenly realized how disconnected I was. Um, So I looked for a place to volunteer in New York City, and there were no veterans' legal services at the time. So really got it stuck in my head that there should be. And uh You know, so a long story short, we, we launched as a part of um, a larger nonprofit. Um, we were part of their mental health project and then spun off as the needs were growing um, and didn't really tackle discharges until I think about 2012 is when we started on that. Um, and it soon became, we realized the need was just so immense. So it's, it's really become the heart of the organization.
1: So, you know, Dr. Arnold and I are both veterans, and so we understand based on our experiences, you know, what what happens when a service member is discharged um, prematurely from their service uh, for particularly with some kind of administrative separation or some kind of uh, minor misconduct. But I wondered if you could talk about, um, you know, in the cases that you handle, what's sort of the typical pattern in terms of the discharge of the veteran and then what it means to have a less than honorable discharge for a veteran. I mean, I'm, I'm, we're talking about combat veterans, uh, people who've served in Iraq and Afghanistan, um, You know, mm-hmm. Dr. Arnold served in Iraq, you know, really uh, what wh- how that works and what it means to a veteran who ends up in that situation.
2: Well, I think the, a perfect example is actually the first case that we had. Um, It was a Marine who had served in Iraq and, um, you know, he had been home four or five years when he came into our office and he came in with a child support issue and, um, you know, he was suicidal, um, you know, had various addiction issues um, and had a bad conduct discharge. Basically he had been in Iraq um, and had had a pretty rough tour Um, came home, started drinking a lot and eventually, you know, it escalated to different narcotics, um, just trying to numb himself really. And so he, he faced special court martial and, um, wound up with a bad conduct discharge. And, you know, here was someone, he couldn't remember his own middle name from his traumatic brain injury. Um, I think he had been through three different roadside bombs, um, and he was just filled with shame, um. You know, it was like his service, uh, it's like it suddenly they told him it wasn't good enough or it didn't mean something. Um, and he was really, really struggling. Um, and that's when we re- I realized, like, we've we've got to help this person. This is, you know, outrageous that someone has you know, post-traumatic stress, traumatic brain injury, shrapnel throughout his, uh, two legs. Um, and we're telling him we're not going to even give him health care. I mean, I just, mm-hmm. it enraged me. Um, yes. and, and then we've also had, you know, we had another client who has never told his family over the last 50 years. Um, and when we actually worked on his case with him, he had to, you know, confront that. And it was, I think one of the most difficult things he's had to do in his life. Um, so it's a powerful, mm-hmm. powerful um, wound for some veterans.
1: Sure. Yeah. Um, so what happens when a veteran has a, let's say, an other than honorable discharge? Do they get they get VA benefits?
2: Um, so it's this really tricky gray area um, where you know they have the. VA, there are statutory bars and then the regulatory bars and the VA, I don't know, my experience is they tend to just say no <laughs> to an OTH and you really right. usually have to fight, you have to fight back um, to prove, you know, that you don't meet these. And the problem is the bars are, are very vague. There are things, the one that I think is really the catch-all is willful and persistent misconduct, which is pretty, you know, you can define, and a lot of stuff falls into that that bucket. Um, and so, and then there's also just not enough information out there about how veterans have a right to a hearing and everything, and, and that an OTH really isn't a no at the VA. So,
1: right, right. you know, I think...
2: Um,
1: yeah, sure. So the, um, so um, can... A, can it, let's say a veteran's listening to this show, right? And they're wondering, mm-hmm. whoops, and then they have a let's say they have another than honorable discharge. Um, is it? Do they have a chance to get their discharge upgraded? I mean, is that something that uh, they could actually accomplish? And if they and to accomplish that, do they need help to do that? In your opinion,
2: one hundred percent. I mean, I think. It's tough because some people, you know, they always there's always like someone who has a buddy who got it done in a month. Right. And then there's always someone who has been told it's too hard. Don't even bother. Um, and I think, you know, the truth is in the middle. And if you can get a lawyer who has experience in this, that's that's really your best shot, um, you know, because you're go- you're going in, um, you know, sort of with someone fighting for you. Um, If you can find and it doesn't you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a lawyer. Right. Um, I think there are a lot of VSOs uh, that have been doing this for for decades around the country. So but I think having an advocate, you know, it really, really helps to navigate what what can be a very confusing process.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. So so um, I want to. So. You know, I do discharge upgrade work at at, um, at the University of Missouri Veterans Clinic, and I guess, at full disclosure. Um, so um, <laughs> I'm going to be joining the the Veteran Advocacy Project um, with Coco in a couple of months, um, being oh, the, the director so of military law. Oh, yeah! Excellent. So it's going to be great. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's, it's going to be terrific. Um, so, um, and, and uh, so, Doctor All, the reason that. Um, you know, Coco and I are are really teaming up is because of this overwhelming need to help veterans with these negative discharges. Yes. Uh, yes. So, just a, a, a factoid, and then I'll I'll turn over to uh, I turn off for, for whatever whatever you want to talk with Coco about. But mm-hmm. since nine eleven occurred, there's mm-hmm. been six hundred thousand veterans have been discharged with less than an honorable discharge. So, um, and many, many, many of those veterans are combat veterans in Afghanistan and Iraq. Oh, um, repeat that number. <laughs> 600,000. That, I, I,
0: that, um, the thousand part, I said, I can't believe it. It's almost a... Yeah, isn't, that,
1: isn't, that, isn't that stunning? Yeah. And it's And it's, you know, the situation often where they will get discharged because of, you know, and the command has certain responsibilities they're trying to carry out, but the idea is to get them... Discharged quickly without much thought about the ramifications for the veteran, uh, him or herself. So that's that's the situation. and That's why, um, at least from my perspective, um, joining forces with COCO to really just focus on discharge upgrades is really an exciting and necessary um, venture. That um, I'm really, I can't tell you how excited I'm to be uh, to really get in there and, and do that just exclusively on behalf of veterans.
0: Yeah, we're
2: fantastic. so excited. If I can <laughs> throw out one more factoid, um, there was a study done looking at veterans who were discharged for misconduct between, I think it was 2011 and 2015, and 62% of them had already been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. So to me, that's the, one of the most outrageous facts, you know, that, that proves we're really punishing people who have sacrificed.
0: Yeah, that, that was my question, you know, because this really dovetails into uh, disability status, right? Um, so if someone comes back and they are, um, you know, less than honorably, um, you know, uh, discharged, then they um, then face the battle with uh, VA benefits, right, um, mm-hmm. and being seen correctly. So you can't even diagnose those things that someone may be suffering from which may have led to the reason why you think they should be dishonorably discharged. Um, <laughs> it, it seems like a, it just really, this seems like an outrageous um, approach as you were mentioning, Coco, you know, to, to our veterans.
2: Yeah, and it's, I mean, it it feels to me like we are not upholding our end of the deal. You know, people are, people are being injured um, and, and we as a country, our government, you know, promise to take care of them and um, to, to cut off that health care for the very reason they need it is just such an injustice
0: yeah so, so you know tell us about some of the you know the, the more difficult cases you had, and then some, some of the success stories well, you know how, how do you because something must be motivating you to to participate in this. I know Brent is really uh, incredible you know with his uh, relentless uh, pursuit of making sure justice is done. But for you yourself personally, why is it so important? By the way, my my brother in law, uh, full disclosure, uh, went to Brooklyn Law School as well as <laughs> you did. Uh, he, he's oh. down he's down in Missouri as
2: well. <laughs> oh wow! We'll have to we'll have to chat. Compare your notes. I'm um, I'm a, a Brooklyn born, lifelong Brooklynite. Um, oh, same here. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, Let's see. You know, actually, one of the the biggest successes we ever had is actually that that marine I was talking about, who was the first upgrade client. Um, we his upgrade is still pending, um, you know, because there's such a backlog at these boards. It's, a, it's at least a couple of years wait once you finally do submit your application. Um, but we were able to work on the VA piece at the same time, sort of the parallel tracks, and. Um, we were able to win the argument that essentially he shouldn't be held um, accountable. The VA has this very strange definition of insanity, so I, I, if if it was this visual, I would put air quotes around it. <laughs> um, but so he was found insane for VA purposes, and we got his family over um, half a million dollars wow. in back benefits, um, which wow. is a, a rare and just fantastic yes. win. Um, yes, but. The most, I would say, one of the most compelling cases, um, we had a Vietnam veteran who uh, was an only child, um, had an extremely low IQ, and we are hmm. almost certain he was a part of Project One Hundred Thousand, which was, um, hmm. you know, Robert McNamara's sort of social experiment of of recruiting people who did not meet eligibility standards and seeing how they would fare. Um, I'm not an expert on this, so I'll I'll leave it at that. (laughs) Um, But so he definitely, you know, should not have been drafted and sent to Vietnam. Um, And he saw just unimaginable things and, and had a very difficult uh, combat tour. And then when he got back, he had found he'd heard that his mother was sick and he was denied leave. Hmm. And so he, you know, decided he had to go. And so he was AWOL and he was given an other than honorable discharge. And his trauma was so bad that, you know, he would have flashbacks every time it rained. And okay. yeah. he was trying to get services here in New York City where we're so lucky. There's so many resources. Um and he was actually asked to stop sharing in a trauma therapy group because his his experiences were just too upsetting. Too graphic. Um, hmm. So for him, getting into the VA was really about being able to talk to other Vietnam vets. Um, and he was he was. Um, also living on about eight hundred dollars a month in um, oh. supplemental security income, social security, yeah. and so we were able to increase that to over three thousand a month from wow. from the VA. So <laughs> huge, <laughs> yeah, huge difference. That that one I think meant just really meant a lot because it was it was transformative for him for his life and, and long overdue.
0: Yeah, that's, that's phenomenal. You, know, you just reminded me of uh, talking about flashbacks. I remember when I uh, came back from my first tour in Iraq, and uh, I was with the Mechanized Infantry Unit at that point, and uh, we, we came back and we were sitting in this room, you know, shoulder to shoulder, about 300 people in the room. And uh, there's a sergeant who walked in, and this was, you know, just bringing us back into the country. And he, Mm -hmm. he walked around, and he said, okay, does anyone have any, is anyone in here crazy? you have any mental health issues? Raise your hand. And everyone <laughs> is sitting there with their chain of command. That was our mental health screening <laughs> coming back in, wow. into the country. <laughs> wow. And I said, You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> and what year oh. was that? And that was back in two thousand and okay, that was my first tour. That was and uh let me see thousand and four, 2004, five. I was in, in the wow. first my first combat tour. Yeah. Wow.
1: Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. That's and, really amazing. And it was just
0: like, <laughs> and they said, well, if you know, if you say anything, and, and you know, a few people raised their hand that, that this kind of defied everyone and said, okay, fine, I'm, I'm mentally ill, you know. <laughs> and uh, so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but they, but they, you know, and they said, well, if you, if you raise your hand, then you're going to be here for another month or two. And this is people coming back from, you know, uh, a, a combat tour where I was in, in Mosul, Iraq, and and, and Baghdad, you know, and these people, you know, uh, were ready to go home. And unlike you know World War II, um, where you had time coming back into the country, you know, you'd take a uh, ocean liner coming back in. Now, you know, instantaneous, you know, instantaneously, and one within 24 hours, you're back in country, and then they put you in that red sports car. We had a lot of people dying in red sports car injuries, right? Uh, because they just came back with no mental health screening, no debriefing, no right. time to, you know, reacclimate. So I'm just really glad that the two of you are out there fighting this fight, and um, you know, we're running out of time now, but I've, I you know, I want you to tell us, you know, where th- should people go to find out more about what uh, you're doing, uh, both yourself, Brent, and Coco?
2: Well, I
1: think probably since I'm joined the Veteran Advocacy Project, we should, um, Coco, it'd be great if you could tell <laughs> people who are listening or interested either and what you uh, what we do or in helping out how to how to connect with the with the veteran advocacy project
2: yeah, um so they can go to veteranadvocacy.org, dot um, org and we're on Twitter and um, we have a really strong, healthy pro bono program, so we have a lot of volunteer mm-hmm. lawyers because um, we just we need so many more advocates doing God this work yeah. um. So, yeah, they can get more information there, and and we have a couple of practice areas, but this this one, like I said, really is the heart of of our mission.
0: Well, all I can say is that uh, Brent uh, Filbert and Coco uh, Colhane, both of you are our heroes. Um, Thank you for what you do for the veterans. And, uh, you know, know, the veteran clinic at the University of Missouri School of Law is, uh, you know, at the forefront of – justice and making sure that things work out for our veterans and we have got to appreciate everything that you do and in your honor coco next week i'm going to wear my brooklyn born and raised shirt my sister sent me that (laughs) for my birthday a month ago (laughs) happy birthday it's time to wear it (laughs) that's great
1: that's great